0: Thank you so much for coming back to this podcast. This is the Unum Wellbeing podcast and I'm Beth Husted. We are on a slightly more somber note from the Put the You in July um, theme. This month we're actually going to be talking about bereavement and um, it's a really, really important topic, emotive and obviously uh, quite a sad topic, but something unfortunately we will all experience at some point in our life. Now, I've been really lucky over the past few years to have partnered very closely with um, the charity that we've got uh, with us on this podcast today, Child Bereavement UK. So we've created a bereavement guide with them. We've done quite a few webinars with them. And I just think that it's a really important topic that we should all talk about. It's one of those ones that's quite taboo. People don't want to talk about grief and bereavement because it is emotive. It is sad. So we all try and kind of tiptoe around it. And I just think it's one of those things that we need to be more aware of and more kind of open about so I'm really pleased that we've got Susan Clatchers here today Um, and Susan it'd be great if you could just introduce yourself.
1: Hello good morning thank you Beth for inviting me on um, to speak and uh, on behalf of Child Bereavement UK and I'm ready to support in any way that I can what you're uh, attempting to do today so I've worked for Child Bereavement UK for 15 years I work with families where a baby has died before birth, right through to being, you know, a toddler, any age child up to a child of 50 or 60 if a parent comes to us for support. I've also support couples, individuals, teenagers and have worked with families at weekends whole families with group work over those years and obviously because of what's going on at the moment we haven't been able to do that to the last year face to face
0: oh but still being able to carry on the good work oh yeah individuals grieving it's 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 just one of those topics like I say that I really wanted to just just get out there um and talk about an awful lot more and and whilst it is child bereavement uk this session today this podcast isn't just about the the loss of a child um whilst it is really sad um to lose children we actually can lose anyone we can lose parents friends loved ones partners um it's one of those things that unfortunately is there for for everybody to experience and what I really wanted to to think about today with the the expert help of Susan is thinking about kind of bereavement and grief thinking about what it is and and really Susan what it can feel like so do you want to just get us Mm. started on on that as a beginning piece
1: yeah it can feel for some people they can feel numb to be to begin with it can go on for A few months, a couple of months, first three months generally, sometimes longer, feel out of control, deep, deep sadness, overwhelming, uh, a sense of dread and, um, you know, losing of motivation. You can feel irritated uh, with partners. We can feel scratchy and, you know, uh, angry at times. So very lonely, and um, and it, you know this emptiness. There's something missing.
0: Kind of. Well, there is something missing, mm-hmm. isn't there? That's the, the sad thing, and and mm-hmm. I've seen it from when i've done um webinars before because what we've been trying to explain obviously from a when we've done webinars we've been doing it as a business ex- experience you know, as a line manager as a as a business what can we be doing to be supporting those mm. staff um because it is if you know it's never one size fits all everyone's going to be doing something slightly differently which is quite it needs to be quite person centered and and also why i think each individual can't compare what they're going through to someone else because you look at your partner or you look at someone else and think well they're doing it in a completely different way to me. Um, So is is that a real thing? You know, is there different ways that people can grieve?
1: Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, I believe that a lot comes from our family histories, from what pains and traumas the family might have experienced over the years, um, what the country has experienced over the years, depending on what you know, country a person is is originating from, and um, and then what the family, how they grieve, how they uh, communicate with each other, the cultures, the religions, all comes you know into how we grieve, and so men and women generally grieve differently. I found over the years working with couples that not always. But mostly men want to get on with life and be restorative. And women will almost with some situations, almost like they're attempting to dive right into their grief and the men find it unbearable. So what they need to do is what we call oscillate, Um, you know, in time, find a balance. You go between the two. And so that somebody that's restorative, it can be a woman also can go to be restorative more than into the into the grief. That um, they can begin to look at the you know their sadness and talk about how they're feeling and what the work that I would do with any two people together, whatever the situation, is to. I'm the person that's there that they can say the things that mm. other people can't bear to hear
0: yeah is that is that between the two isn't it because I have seen it in 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 friends or family and 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 that is that bit about uh, that loss however you've lost someone or something it's that kind of dwelling and going over it and and kind of Mm. constantly reminiscing and thinking about that person I wanted to talk about that person and that that's a really important part of it I'm assuming Mm. however there's no progression and and moving on at that point either. It's very kind of right in with that pain. And I'd imagine if you've got two people going through very different experiences, you can't comprehend what the other one is. And that must cause some real relationship issues, whether or not you're with that partner or whether it's a parent or a friend or something, you're all experiencing it and going through things in a different way. Yep. it must be very divisive sometimes the grief because you can't
1: conceptualize
0: what someone else is doing
1: mm. so it's um for the person that really needs to talk and wants to talk it, you know it can be uh, you know really difficult because the people that they want to talk to are avoiding can mm-hmm. be avoiding and 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 they shut them off and so they're not getting anywhere and the pe the person that wants to be restorative or can't bear to go there because they can't bear to go there within themselves so um so somebody else kind of almost trying to drag them there before they found their own way there is is unbearable particularly with with couples so what i would say whatever the situation is whether it's with with a a sister, a brother, a cousin or whoever it might be that, you know, somebody talking at work that somebody might be friends with. um, They might have been that friend that could be a good friend. But in grief, they may not be that person. It may be this is often the case with all situations. It's somebody else. And it is finding or that person will present themselves very often to that person and come up and talk to them because they may have had an experience. But for that person to know is when a person is recently bereaved, not to be telling them all about what happened to them because recently bereaved people haven't got the capacity for it. You know, they find it run difficult. out of empathy
0: for anybody else. Mm. It's, yeah, yeah. I suppose it's useful to know at some point you will, you know be able to support someone else but sharing your story Mm. at that time is not the place to be it's just so Mm. what would you be doing you you know you have got a friend a colleague a, a workmate someone that you know or a family member that is bereaved how you know what are the sorts of things that you could do to to support them
1: well most people say to me that it that it's best to acknowledge that that somebody has died you know it might be to say it is to say i'm so sorry you know yeah. some some bereaved people can be very tetchy um small number really that would then say something you know unhelpful back generally bereaved people are very responsive and you know would do their best to to say something back. Um, it could be to send a card, to send a text. And people that really want to support somebody, keep be consistent, let that carry on for some time, even though you don't get a response. One day when that person has got themselves together and know where they are, then they will come out again and begin to make contact and generally i would imagine it would be with the people that you know they know that have been consistently there
0: it's not a once and done. It is no. a when the event happens, you send a message of, I can mm. and go, sorry for your loss. And then it's, it's done because that's not really that, like you said, that consistency mm. that you need. They're not going to be just bouncing back and being absolutely fine. So you need to have that patience, have mm. that courage. We actually have these um, stages when we talk about supporting individuals with... Um, mental health conditions, and it's not the same thing, I completely understand that, but it is these skills that you need to have, which is courage, empathy, support, Compassion, it's almost like you need to have these skills as a, as a human, as an individual, to have the courage to say something in the first place, to be able to show that you can empathize, to be able to be supportive and compassionate with that individual. Um, and it is, I mean, I remember when we wrote the bereavement guide and the things that we were suggesting and thinking about, you know, communication, connection, compassion, you need to have that um, ability to really be listening to that person, supporting that person, and generally just talking
1: to them all the time and the biggest thing there Beth is listening it really is to be able to listen um I think of a couple I supported and the man was you know at the end of his tether and the wife was very worried and he said when they had this upset uh she was almost running around him trying to ask him you know continually what is it what is it can I help you and I said to um him at the time, "Should this happen again? What would be helpful if you could let you know your wife know now? Obviously, I used her name. And uh, he looked at her and he said, "Just give me a hug." I, no, all I needed was a hug. So yeah. it's asking. it's asking when when that person is ready, to respond to you just keep asking you know because at the beginning they might not know what it is themselves what they need you know
0: and we're not necessarily hassling someone we're just trying Mm. to offer our support yeah so so what i mean obviously you're you're a practitioner that helps in you know families and individuals when they're they're dealing with with loss what other sort of support is out there because not everyone is going to be able to you know one they're not grieving the loss of a child, so they wouldn't have access to someone like yourself. What other support is out there for you if you are experiencing loss or if you wanted to give someone some like a place to go to that might help yeah.
1: them? Well, I would say one of the what many people say is to speak to their doctor because lots of practices have got counsellors, you know, within their where where they are or a referral process. Right. to To maybe Google anything local. Um, ask maybe um, Citizens Advice; they are very good. Many people find out about CBUK through um, mm. through there. Yeah, I've had a few families come through that that way. Um, there is the BACP, British Association of Counselling and Psychotherapy, and the Counselling Directory. So. Um, you could ring up um, or look on our website which is um, childbreedmentuk.org www. and um, we've got an organisation um, database on there right. and, it, and it shows across the country where different organisations are so there will be for different situations or even you know um, if it, if they can't get what they're looking for from anything else um what what i've said there our helpline would be able to point people in the right direction
0: so it's not ex excluding anyone you can give it a ring it might not be that you can get the support through yourselves yeah. but you could definitely be
1: told where yeah. where you might be able to find yeah that. if they can find it through you know any of the other suggestions yeah googling is great loads of people find out about us through googling really yeah yeah
0: Thank you. I mean, it's one of those topics that you just think, oh gosh, I don't, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to conceptualise that this is something that we, you will experience. And I don't suppose mm. there's anything you can ever necessarily forearm yourself with, you know, the skills or the qualities. We talk a lot about resilience in the work that I do and building mm. resilience. And you might be a very, very re- resilient individual, but something like a loss can just completely flaw mm. you because it's just not something that you sit around every day preparing well unless you are coming to you know somebody's at the end of life and you are more mm. prepared for it it's not something that you sit around kind of getting yourself more resilient for is it? it's just you kind of you don't want to to conceptualize mm. but each each person's experience we kind of touched upon it at the beginning each person's experience is going to be unique which is why as well there's no kind of one-size-fits-all approach but maybe maybe people listening in don't really understand what that means you know how, how, what does grief's grief bereavement's bereavement how is it unique how is it individual and can you maybe explain a little bit more about about what that might be
1: and what that might mean for me it's a bit like um there's this kind of list that probably goes from the, the ceiling to the floor of what how a person might grieve, what bereavement is like for them. So it could be different things on the list for different people. But as I said before, I think it's a lot to do with our histories and the and the way that, you know, our families have been, the traumas that a family might have experienced, and particularly the individual and difficulties. And that can be anything. Mm-hmm. It can be Things that have happened when we were children, things that have happened when we were teenagers that we've gone on. And we've not looked for support for those things. We've kind of dealt with it or some people don't actually deal with it. They think they have. They just stick it somewhere in their head behind a door or some people talk about putting things in a box. But actually, they're not dealt with. And when they experience a major loss, let's say somebody really, really important to them. It's almost like at a time when you don't need it, it's like an explosion and the whole lot comes out. Right. So those... trigger. Yeah. Very often when I'm supporting an individual or a couple, other things from their history starts to start coming up. That is um, almost like a diversion or a distraction, but it is very real. So... I would suggest to them after a time that maybe because the support that we give is around the bereavement that they've had a referral for, that these other issues that is really affecting them as a human being, it might be mental health issues in the family, it might be drink, drugs, sex, you know, it can be anything. There are so many things that people experience. And just talking about, you know, the times that we're living in now, this last year plus is very much like uh, out of control. Loss yeah. of loss of the way we've been living. So it's stirring a lot of things up in people.
0: Yeah. It's been a big year this week, year, hasn't it? There's just been well, nearly two years, really. It's just been a massive... being so much going on and probably loss being experienced in a completely different way. Um, and we're not being able to actually fully... You know, hug people and grieve with people mm. and things like that. It's it's um un incomprehensible, really. Um. Mm. But the next thing I actually wanted to ask you is because I deal a lot with employers and we talk a lot about you know oh so and so's off off work. Um, Uh, like bereavement leave etc and Mm. you know there's one some businesses don't even have it as a policy they don't even uh, you know haven't thought about it but two then it's like oh you can have two weeks so I'm just interested with this whole concept of you know people picking themselves up getting on with life and actually I know you know we couldn't we can't change businesses perception of you have two weeks off but two weeks to me to grieve the loss of a partner or a child or a or even a parent anything I remember seeing my husband having to go back to work after two weeks of you know and normally you the bereavement starts and you don't get the the person passes away and then there's two weeks and you have to go back to work the, the funeral might have only been three days before all of that and it's all kind of just you have to just get back up on on with it and um is that a good thing to just throw yourself back into something like work if you've been experiencing a loss or is there pros and cons i'd just be interested to kind of hear what you think about people picking themselves up and getting on with it with this two week type leave thing
1: yeah um for somebody uh who has experienced you know such a deep loss um two weeks or one week for a lifetime this is something that's going to be forever it's so final and in those first three months we're sort of in that shock period really and then the reality begins to to come in and you know um so for some people in my experience a small number and generally it would be the man in who's needs to get back there you know to bring in the salary uh they like the structure
0: yeah
1: and it's uh they they tend to do that more than than a woman does every now and then I experience a, a, a woman that will rush back into work and then of course I've worked with many families over many years and I've learned lots from those families that I've I've worked with. And I I know from history, from other people, what will then happen. Um, people like to be busy, they like to be distracted. And it's again that word it is about finding a balance because um, the distraction eventually becomes too much. And then I'll be hearing, I can't sleep at night. I'm having nightmares. And mm. it's almost like the things that they're not dealing with during the day are once we get into quiet time, it all comes in, you know. Yeah. So. Um, so I think um, it's best if people can not be over busy that they have get the support that they need and around you know the working situation because of the work that i do um particularly where it could be a baby then some parents can have you know i think it's their maternity leave a year off you know so but others can't So, so that people um they don't all go back uh, straight away um, every organization is different at the way that they they support their their staff in that but um, it, it, it is about having managers that understand that can be there to listen that when a person comes back into the office that a conversation has happened that how would you like to do this Are you do you want to speak to your colleagues would you how would you like this to be you know, um, uh, one lady I supported, she told me she used to go into the loo's at work and get in the cubicle and roll around on the floor crying. Nobody knew. She must mm. have been stifling her, her tears or something. But, you know, regardless of the relationship, um you know, can you imagine that that has happened? It's, it's kind of unthinkable. Like you said, it could be a husband, a partner of some kind, a brother, a sister. All those relationships can be good and bad, too. Yeah. You know, so it depends on the relationship that that person Then the depth of that relationship will be the depth of the pain that a person is in. And from my experience, grief, it's in our bodies. So some people talk about they feel like layers of their skin has been ripped off. They really feel like that. that there's um, like a piece of wood in, inside their chest. And I know for myself, like you mentioned, you know, uh, per, things that are personal to us. When a person that was very extremely important to me died... I experienced this aching arms. Now I'd heard about it, but I'd never experienced it before. But I can't, it was, it was very soon after that person died. And it started in, you know, the middle finger of my hand, and this pain went up my arms. And I think it lasted for nearly six months. Wow. So it's to do with the brain, you know, what I've read is it's to do with the brain. And some people can experience what is called broken heart syndrome. And it is very real. Yeah. You know, thankfully, it doesn't happen to everybody. But it's, you know, it is, we we feel it in our bodies, we're exhausted. It's grief is exhausting.
0: And yet it's just still something that we don't, want to be open about we will we try and avoid um individuals or you know if someone comes back to work no one knows what to say to them mm. you might send a text to someone and just think oh, i don't really know what to say i hope they're all right um and, and i just can't i think I, I just want to make it more something that we we speak about there's lots and lots of things that i think are moving forward in being open i've always thought it was hard to um understand why you know because people don't talk about uh losing a baby like mm-hmm. miscarriages and things it's always very silent and i think that's possibly the most you know one of the times that you're going to need the most support during a pregnancy mm-hmm. is when you lose a baby yet you don't tell anyone because it's this taboo subject and how can you then get that love and support from the people that care about you most um so really i hope from from today's podcast that at least we are just saying it's sad, it's not nice, you're all going to experience something different, you're going to go through different stages, you're going to want to talk about it, you want get going to want to get on with it, someone that you're grieving with might want to do something in a completely different order to you, and all of that is normal, and all of that is the right way of doing it, but don't have to do it alone, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can reach out to all of those organisations that you mentioned about, um, don't leave someone that you know that is you know has gone through a loss make sure that you're regularly checking in with them because they might not want your help at that point but they will want your help at some point and that is what you you know if you don't keep reaching out and letting them know that you're there in that consistent way then then they might feel like they're even more alone so these are all some really important things that I think that you know we just need to talk about and get get out there. Mm. obviously one of the biggest things that I always think about is the importance of, of well-being and I think you know we talked mm. about resilience and that you can't prepare yourself for, for a loss um, too much but I think there is you know there's something about looking after yourself that's a really important part of all of this because we can generally tend to just feel like it's pointless it's worthless there's no need you know I can't continue on but we need to, to nurture and look after ourselves so, you know do you know What would you say about the relationship between between kind of well-being and and grief?
1: Oh, very important. The amount of times that I've said to uh, people that I've supported, self-care is not selfish because very often they say to me oh but if I do that that's selfish so it takes a bit of time to help people to understand that looking after ourselves is not selfish it's important and particularly if we've got families and children we're showing them for the future how to look after themselves because if we don't look after ourselves then you know if we've got children or people around us that look up to us they're going to Follow our, our way, so mm. to speak. So many parents kind of can get it if I say, well, you know, I know you're concerned about your children. Well, they're going to see that you're looking after yourself. So therefore, that will be good for them, As uh, you know. So yeah. on our website, we've got a brilliant website and um, there's lots of information on there, but there are kind of, I think it's two lots of information about looking after yourself. One is for um bereaved parents and the other one is general looking after yourself I can send you the link to that but on there it will it talks about having a structure to your day Um and that could be you know when you're bereaved you kind of can sit up half the night and not go to bed then you're tired not eat mm. well um, it's hard to focus and bother going shopping when you're dragging a body that feels twice its weight around because you haven't got the energy because lots of people tell me that they put on a front, they wear a mask. And that takes energy to do that. So exercise, going out, it really is so many people tell me, bereaved people tell me that to get out and have a walk. And if you can walk with somebody and talk side by side, so it's not face to face, it's much easier to get something a bit more you know spoken about than Mm. if you're sat opposite you know uh somebody um as i said sleep the food that we eat affects us um that we're eating good you know food vegetables and fruit and generally better foods you know that um it can be uh what's the other thing i was thinking about yeah um the things that aren't helpful are having a bit too much to drink. Mm. Um, sometimes some people tell me that you know uh, they've they've instead of having one glass of wine, they've been having a bottle, and eventually when they get through that, because obviously I'm only I've got the experience of my own personal life and and people around me, but also of the people that I've supported. And over time, having support and talking to somebody like me, they're able to, you know, build a relationship and begin to talk about those other things that they might be doing. It could be gambling, um, you know, it's spending, it's overeating, it's, it. you know, it's sex, it's it's anything, you know, that we do, that we get something that takes away that pain yeah. for now yeah
0: deprioritizing ourselves and also Mm -hmm. almost kind of self-sabotaging behaviors you know the things that are good for you you don't do because you don't feel as though you deserve it you feel guilty for indulging in those the basic things that we need like you say eating Mm -hmm. healthy eating well exercise not out not taking on alcohol they're the basics that we need when we aren't going through something so difficult but we Mm -hmm. just don't want to nourish ourselves at the point that we are kind Mm -hmm. of going through that grief
1: and we we sorry 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 Beth, we don't do what we would tell our best friend to do.
0: Yeah, I can imagine.
1: We we kind of give ourselves a hard time. And, you know, over the years in, in the UK where... You know the history of the UK is because of the first second world war and pandemics and things it was pull yourself together get on with it stiff upper lip and some some of this is still running through some of the families um in in the country and you know what other people bring from other countries and cultures uh and people tell me that people change the subject when they start to talk about grief. So when it's really hard for them and they're really struggling to get cope with day to day and think oh I'd manage that today to um to then kind of be able to do something more is, is just is just too much. Yeah. You know.
0: So we we need to look after ourselves, even if we really don't want to, we need to look mm. after ourselves. And like you said, talk to your talk to yourself like you would your best friend. But with that in mind, what can we be doing? You know, the last sorts of bits that I really want to be thinking about is I'm, you know. We've, we've talked about what we can do for ourselves as we're grieving, what we would experience if we were grieving. We touched briefly if we were an employer, how we could support our staff and just make sure that it's, um, you know, that being open and, and thinking about what they can do and how we can support them. But what else, you know, what else can we do for others? If you are someone that is worrying about someone else or um, knows someone is, you know, has had a loss, what can we do for others?
1: Let them know you're there. Nice. As, you know that um call them up send them a card as I said before um invite them out because very often people invite people and then when they don't turn up or they say no a few times <clears throat> they don't ask them anymore Yeah. but actually there will come a time and there does come a time and then they're saying you know to me nobody asked me anymore um send some flowers yeah that kind of thing
0: help them out give them mm. a hand with things
1: cook a meal yeah. it, you know in the early days you know many people talk about uh people just bought food round. you know yeah. help out with the kids if they've got kids you know when you're grieving how, what a heavy load that is and to be looking after children too, that's a whole nother subject, you know, um, particularly from the world that I work in, how people are grieving for maybe a child and their parenting. And that goes from one end of the spectrum to the other, where they really focus on those other children, to they just can't, you know, it's like having a tyre that's pancaked, you know, you can't do anything. Yeah.
0: And um I, I know that we've um spoken about it before but I know that people will go oh just let me know if you need a hand I'll help you Mm. out with anything and
1: Mm. you're never gonna ask you're never gonna ask for help are you do you know Beth that's exactly what families say to me they absolutely say those words I'm not gonna ask so keep keep going back there don't yeah it's not that they don't you know care or they you know they they're not bothered it's just like the mum that said to me when I know where I am I can tell you, they just don't know where they are. They're yeah. they're working their way through their grief. This person that has died that's so dear and loving to them, they've never this is they've never lost them before. This is mm-hmm. that once that it's ever gonna happen. And, and and earlier on you talked about pre-bereavement. Some of the work, some you can get support for pre-bereavement. Um right. Uh, there are organizations out there, you know, I know there's Maggies who who, you know, particularly that would be around cancer that do pre pre-bereavement work. We do help families, you know. We often yeah. get calls and we would go and support families where, you know, it could be a child because we support children that are grieving too. So yeah. it could be a mum or a dad that's dying or has died. And, you know, it can be grandparents. It can be a friend at school.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's just so many people that you can lose in so many different ways. And even if you might have had multiple losses, each one is going to be different and trigger you in a different way. And you're going to need support in a different way. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today, Susan, because I just think like you can never know too much about these topics and especially when they're quite hidden topics and Mm. like you say people do avoid talking to people about it there is no answer is there there's not like oh well these are the checklist of things you need to do keep winging keep keep turning up keep offering this um because each person will react in a slightly different way but just Mm. don't forget about the individual that's that's had you know experience loss. Make sure you keep giving them um, you know that reaching out and 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 offering them the hug or the support or the meal or the food or the love. Don't forget about the different bereavement organisations that are there. So you said about Cruz, you said about Maggie's, you said about um, you guys that the Child Bereavement UK. The fact that you've got um, kind of counsellors and the counselling directory. There there is so many different places that you can can get that support. Mm. Making sure that you are aware of the different ways that that you could be grieving, and and you might feel like you're grieving in a completely different way to someone else, and again, that's completely normal. So just look after yourself. Don't feel guilty about prioritising your well-being because that is going to be something that is going to be helpful towards you know the process that you're going through. And there is a process, and it's not going to go away. And like you say, every single experience that someone goes through is going to be a completely different process and experience but know that there is the support and know that things progress you know you don't get over it but you just will get through it and and be able to to cope and that's what people like you are there for mm-hmm. is there anything else that you wanted to to add
1: um um before we close. uh you know i su- support families where you know a baby or a child may have died 30 years ago and things have just got worse and worse and worse so families can come to us and get that support now. It's never too late. Um, families that will tell me that they, one family says that they pull the drawbridge up, so they shut everybody out and they have to get themselves to an okay place first and they feel safe within that, you know, environment until they're ready to put the drawbridge down and come out uh, you know that's the kind of thing that people do and um and and they it it's something that we talk about rebuilding lives together, and that's what we do at Child Breedment UK and many other organizations help families, people who are grieving to do that. So yes, like you said, please make sure that you get the support that you need because it is a process, like you said, Beth and if we attempt to avoid it it just is there it just you know doesn't get better on its own Um, unless you've got friends to talk to family or an organization you know like ourselves so thank you
0: thank you very much and thank you it's such a touching subject and I really appreciate your time um for, for helping us out today if you think that this podcast might help anyone that you know please you know share it with them um, and we'll join you next time for the next one thank you